0: Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the revenge of the Amalekites. This is a Purim special, so stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 14th of March, 2022, and I just want to give a quick shout out to my third child, Melody. It is her birthday. She turned 14 today. Happy birthday, baby girl. Now, today, I want to let you know that the Torah portion of this particular week, you will find in Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 to chapter 8, verses 36. The Torah portion is called Zaf, which means command. You could find the half Torah portion in chapter uh, 7 of Jeremiah, verses 21 to chapter 8, verse 3. And then also Jeremiah 9, verses 22 to 23. The Brit Hadashah is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Really great Torah portion. Encourage you to read it. I know for me it was really difficult. Like I say, Leviticus, not my favorite book. It's probably my least favorite. Um, It's definitely my husband's favorite. But um, it's something that I still think is important for us to go back and look at. And... So I encourage you to really just read part of the tour portion. In fact, I'm going to read you a a little portion of the half tour portion later, but I want to also have a special thank you to Betsy Alieva for being my first monthly supporter to this ministry. Hopefully I did not butcher your name completely, but I did want to give a little shout out to you as well. Now today is going to be what I said is a Purim special because This particular um, week is when we celebrate Purim. For our congregation, we celebrate it on Saturday, this uh, upcoming Saturday. And it's just a good time of fellowship. And we always really just laugh and have a fantastic time. So that would be the 19th of March that we are going to be celebrating our Purim. I know that there are some that have actually celebrated it um, earlier than that. I know my aunt... She goes to a, just a, your typical Christian church, and they actually do have a Sabbath service, and she celebrated, I think, a week or two ago on a Friday night, so um, whenever you celebrate it, good for you, but I want to talk about Purim today. I did that as well last year. I actually was looking back. I'm like, did I call it Purim? Did I call it something else? Um, I actually did not call it Purim, so you'll have to go back and, and try to find that if you'd like to, but. I didn't want to obviously talk exactly about the same exact thing because there really are so many different aspects of each feast that it's kind of fun every year to kind of at least try to look at it from a different angle. And this year, I'm actually going to read you the Esther introduction in the Tree of Life Version Bible that I have because it's very interesting. And I'm also going to read you just a little bit from my handy dandy feast book that you know that I always pull out for my feast, which is called the, A Complete Guide to Celebrating Our Messiah in the Festivals by Susan Mortimer. As you all know, if you have been a long time listener, I love this book and I don't agree with everything that's in it, but there's more good, in my opinion, than bad um, or negative. It's not necessarily bad, but things that I don't necessarily agree with. And that's okay because... Once again, I say this almost every podcast, the only person you're ever going to agree with hundred percent is yourself. And even then that's questionable. So I want to read you what they have to say about Esther. If you're not fam- familiar with Esther, I encourage you to do so. It's actually not even that long of a book in the Bible and it's an amazing story. And it actually, you know, while I was thinking about it and praying about it, if there's a, some parallels to some of what's going on in the world today. And what happened in Esther. So, the background um, Purim is the name of the Feast of Esther. It falls on the 14th day of the Jewish month of Adar. Typically, it's February or March. This festival celebrates the salvation of God's people from annihilation. In spite of its serious theme of, of persecution, this festival is a time for hilarity, noisy fun, silliness, and topsy turvy antics. And you know what? I can honestly say that's absolutely true. I. This is probably one of my favorite holidays that we celebrate because of that. And it's just, it's a fun time. And, you know, we, we say that for all the feasts, you know, bring your kids, but this one, especially, we always say like, bring your kids and bring your friends, kids and bring everyone you can think of, because it's just a really, really good time. Um, For us in our congregation, we have a costume contest. You come wearing a costume, we have a talent show, a cakewalk, and we're also having uh, free professional digital pictures um, and lots of hamitashin or hamitashin, however you want to say it, which are perm cookies. They're kind of like a sugar, sugar cookie that have been molded into the shape of what they say was Haman's hat. And you put lovely goodies of different jellies or poppy seeds or date um, jam or whatever. I think last year I did blackberry, raspberry, and strawberry jam in them, and it was quite a hit. So it's something to just have fun with. And if you don't have a congregation, then just do it for your kids. I know a lot of families, they'll even like have a skit. In fact, this book that I'm going to be reading out of has already a pre-made skit for you to do with your family. Um, They have a lot of different That's the reason I like it too, because it's not just, oh, this is what's going on with this particular feast. They also have activities and things to do with your family, which I think is so important to do because you want your children to be involved. This includes even your teenagers. Um, I'm actually going to read you a little something in the book as well, talking about that. But the story of Purim, the book of Esther is read aloud for Purim and every time the villain... Haman is mentioned. The audience tries to drown out his name by booing him. To get the group into the spirit of the festival, you will find as you read this section that Haman's name is always followed by the prompt to boo. Have fun with it. So in this book, as you're reading about Purim, they literally do do that. In the parentheses, it it says boo. I'm obviously not going to say that every time Haman is. You could say it in your mind or out loud. The book of Esther is a story of a young Jewish girl by the same name. Because of her beauty and character, she has chosen over all the other girls in the kingdom to become the queen of Persia. She soon realizes that she has come to that position for an important purpose. Her uncle Mordecai tells her of a terrible plot. Haman, a close friend and advisor of King Xerxes, also known as King Ahasuerus, has obtained permission to totally wipe out the Jewish people. Haman had cast the pur, that is a lot or dice, to decide the day of their destruction. That is why this feast is called Purim from the word Pur. Esther asks all the Jewish people to fast with her for three days. Then she goes to the king at the risk of her own life and pleads for the lives of her people. In the end, her people are saved and their enemies, including Haman, are destroyed. Although God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, his hand is seen throughout, guiding, directing, and protecting his people. Then they talk about the legacy of the Amalekites, which is which brings me to revenge of the Amalekites, right? So for those of you who don't know, Haman is a descendant of the Amalekites, the King, uh, King Agag. Why was there such great hated, hatred between Haman and the Jewish people? The story behind the story centuries earlier, when the Israelites left Egypt, the Amalekites attacked, not the Israelite warriors, but the stragglers, the weakest and most vulnerable of the Israelites. Because of this cruel and unfair tactic, God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 25, 17 and 19, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. Now, 450 years later, God told Saul, also known as Shaul, to totally destroy the Amalekites and everything that belonged to them. But Saul disobeyed and let their king, Agag, live. You'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 through 34. Jewish tradition has it that although Samuel, or Shemuel, later killed this king, the damage was done and a descendant of his survived. Because Saul did not obey God, the Jewish people who came hundreds of years after him were in danger of being annihilated by an evil descendant of the Amalekite king, Agag. Haman, the Agagite. Two of Saul's relatives had to try to rectify the situation if they could. These two were Mordecai and Esther, descendants of King Saul's father. Saul, Mordecai, and Esther are all descendants of Kish, which you can find in 1 Samuel chapter ten, verses twenty-one, and they also talk about in Esther uh, chapter two, verses five. Verse five. So, this is really a good uh, example of uh, obedience to Adonai. Adonai told Saul specifically to wipe the Amalekites out completely and instead he chose to save the king and in doing so he caused irreparable harm to the Israelites an actual danger of all the Israelites to become annihilated because he chose not to be obedient to what Adonai called him to do. So I think this is a really good example of if Adonai tells you to do something and you may not want to do it It might be best for you to be obedient, but the story of Esther is a picture of the eternal struggle between good and evil. God and Hasatan, also known as Satan. Hasatan, like Haman, tried to destroy God's elect, but in turn, it is he who will be destroyed. And it is Yeshua, like Esther, who put his life on the line to conquer Hasatan. With Yeshua's death and resurrection, Hasatan's fate was sealed. In Revelation 20.10, it says, And the devil, Hasatan, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Many of the customs for celebrating perm are based in the story of Esther. Mordecai sent letters to all the Jewish people throughout the provinces of King Ahasuerus or King Xerxes instructing them to celebrate the 14th day of the month of Adar each year commemorating the time when the Jewish people got relief from their enemies. It was then that their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into celebration. He instructed them to make it a day of joyous feasting of giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor You could find that in Esther chapter 10, I'm sorry, chapter nine, verses 20 to 28. The people, the Jewish people agreed to continue the celebration doing what Mordecai had written to them because of this letter and what they had experienced. The Jewish people established the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should faithfully observe every year. And so the feast of Esther or Purim are celebrated by the Jewish people that the memory of these events would not die out among their descendants. Today, Purim is celebrated with parties, masquerades, parades, hilarity, and noise. This is because the Book of Esther contains many instances of splendid clothing, rivalry, hidden identity, and mistaken intentions, along with the unseen hand of God in the circumstances. Celebrants invite friends and family to a special meal, after which they put on skits. The children especially enjoy making and dressing up in masks and costumes, representing characters from the story, which is pretty much what I was talking about with our congregation. It is, for me, I think, so important for us to remember, especially even this year with everything that's going on with Russia and Ukraine, that in addition to the Purim based on the story of Esther, various communities celebrate special Purims commemorating the rescue of their own community from disaster. The celebration is very similar to Esther's Purim, They fast the day before, they read the story of the rescue, and they recite psalms and prayers. Some even feast and send gifts to the poor. Family and friends can celebrate a personal deliverance. This would be a good time for several celebrants to tell how they came to believe that Yeshua is their Savior, who has delivered them from eternal annihilation. And I would say that perhaps this year, we as believers could maybe fast the day before in prayer, not only for the nations that we live in, but for the Russian people and the people in Ukraine and that their leader's eyes would be cleared and that they would come to a saving knowledge of Yeshua and that he would make it known that what is going on is not right and that they would choose to turn to him and make him their king. That they would be able to have a celebration just like Purim in celebration of what Adonai has done in their lives each and every one of us individually, I'm sure, have a time in their life where that sort of thing has happened. At least I hope so. Where they can point to and say, you know what, look what Adonai has done for me. I know that, that I've had many instances um, in my life where that has been an occurrence. And I think that, that perm and reading about Esther is just a really great reminder of that. In my Tree of Life version uh, of the Bible, I really like um and before every single chapter there's like a little introduction to it so you kind of have an understanding hopefully of what's going on in the book you're about to read in this one it says the name esther is apparently derived from the persian word for star stara. esther's hebrew name was hadassa meaning myrtle the babylonian talmud attributes the writing of esther to the men of the great synagogue <clears throat> josephus affirmed that mordecai wrote the book of esther Others affirm that Mordecai wrote the book of Esther, sometime between 460 and 350 BC. Esther was written for the Jewish people, especially to display the providence of God in regard to Israel. Esther records the institution of the Feast of Purim and keeps the memory of God's salvation alive for future generations. Purim is a plural word for pur, the lots, that were used to determine the fate of the Jewish people at the hands of the evil Haman. The book of Esther is read at the Feast of Purim to commemorate the great deliverance of the Jewish nation brought about by God through Esther. In the Jewish world, Purim spiels, plays based on the reading of the whole Megillah or scroll, are often acted out by young and old alike, drawing the children into recounting the loving care of God for his people, often uncared about. Commentators throughout the ages have drawn poignant poignant parallels between the characters in the book of Esther and the divine drama that unfolded in their lives. In his sovereignty, God knew that the descendants of the Amalek and Agag would persecute and trouble the Jewish people. Just as Moses and Saul had dealt with these, so it was Mordecai's turn in his day with their descendant Haman. God is the hero of Esther, although he is never mentioned by name. In fact, his divine oversight has been a source a source of comfort to the Jewish people throughout time. This short tale provides ample evidence of his sovereignty and his commitment to his purposes. When all seems to be lost, God wins the day and preserves his people. Esther is a brilliant type of the bride of the Messiah. Mordecai coaxes and challenges her as her natural uncle, much as the Holy Spirit prompts individuals to action with Haman as Satan, the adversary, In play, the horrible drama is set. God then invites Esther to participate in his response. Today as yesterday. God is offering another woman, the believing community, an opportunity to participate in his plan for Israel and the Jewish people. His new covenant bride must recognize her Jewish roots and proclaim her kinship through credible witness, intercession, and participate in rescue when appropriate. Thankfully, more believers are coming to understand these issues as the era of Messiah draws near. And I would definitely argue that the the time of Messiah is drawing ever closer and closer and closer. Now, I wanted to kind of tie in a little bit of what the Torah portion with what was going on with Purim, but also in our everyday lives. So what I really enjoyed from this particular Torah portion is in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 22 to 23. It says, thus says Adonai. Let not the wise boast in his wisdom, nor the mighty boast in his might, nor the rich glory in his riches. But let one who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. For I am Adonai who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight. It is a declaration of Adonai. And really, if you read the story of Esther and you you even just read these two verses, it ties in so beautifully the essence of, of Adonai that he is loving and kind and he gives out justice and he is righteous and that we shouldn't boast in our riches and our glory and how much money we have and how, you know, I've got more than the Joneses next door. That's not what we're supposed to do on this earth. We're here to exalt and praise the name of Adonai and to fellowship one and another together. So I hope that you just got a little bit of a taste of, of what Perms is all about. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me. You'll get that in the closing statement at the end. And once again, I'm just really so excited about this particular festival. I really enjoy it. There's always a lot of laughs. Our talent show tends to be more comical than anything else. There are definitely some really beautiful Times when people do dances and singing, but there's always at least one that's that just makes you laugh, and that's really what we—it's nice to do, especially in community. You know that we shouldn't always just be somber. I, I think of Yom Kippur, which is so important to observe, and how Purim is kind of not like that at all. Where where we are definitely supposed to observe it, but it's also with to observe it with joy, to be glad for all that Adonai has saved us from, and rescued us from in our lives. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, I believe. Actually, I'm going to check that real quick because I'm probably wrong. I was wrong. Well, no, actually, I was right. 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, shalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week. Enjoy Purim with your friends and family. And hopefully you'll hang out with me again next week. See you then. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica Lacasse, and it should have a button right there to say leave a m- voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.